When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ben, and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode, we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Welcome back, everyone. And today, we're so excited to have some special guests joining us to discuss album number 37, which is Hotel California by The Eagles. We've got two special guests this time. I think that's the first time in the Sound Logic podcast where we've had two friends on with us. Um, and we're also breaking another record that previously was held when we interviewed Joe Bowie from uh, Who Lives in the Netherlands, where we had three nations contributing. Uh, this episode features voices of uh, my friend Ko Uihara from Japan and my friend Peter Sensenig from uh, Zanzibar. And so we actually have four nations included uh, in this morning's recording. I guess it's morning here, but it's not morning in Zanzibar or Japan. It should be really fun to, to do this. The reason that these voices are with us is that all the way back, I believe in spring of 2004, Peter, Ko, and myself uh, were in a cover band called the Shock Monkeys uh, <laughs> with a few of our friends, fellow classmates from Eastern Mennonite University, we only ever had one performance, but we played, among other things, Hotel California uh, by the Eagles. And that's the album that we are talking about today. And we thought it'd be fun to walk down memory lane a little bit and uh, revisit that with these two friends. Um, normally what we do, uh, Peter and co, is have our guests spend a minute or two to introduce yourselves. Um, I know both of you as uh, fantastic guitar players. Um, one of my first memories, I think the first time I ever met Peter was he and uh, our other friend Derek Charles were wandering around our, our first year college residence hall uh, and noticed that I had a guitar case and uh, invited themselves into my room, opened up the case and began playing my guitar. Uh, and that's how I, <laughs> I met Peter. Ko, uh, yeah. I think I probably mm -hmm. met first mm -hmm. because of the sound of his electric guitar oh. uh, reverberating <laughs> through our hall and, and um. wandered over and discovered uh, his love, especially for guitar solos and classic rock. Um, and, uh, and so there, Beyond being guitar players, you guys are both uh, wonderful human beings, and it's an uh, absolute joy to have you here. Um, I'm curious how you introduce yourself these days, since our um, one and only concert was 16 years ago. <laughs> how do you describe yourself when you meet someone today? Uh, Ko, why don't you go ahead and go first? All right. <laughs> uh, hello, everyone. My name is Ko Rohira, and I'm Japanese. And as uh, Ben introduced me, uh, we've met at the EMU back in 16 years ago. And uh, right now, I'm, I'm back in Japan since 2008. 
since then, I've,、uh, I've been a, a just a, a company worker, but、uh, it changed my mind, and right now it's working for an Anglican church、uh, in Japan, and so I'm, I'm a candidate for a priest. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, so I'm about taking the exam next month. <laughs> If、wow. I pass it, then I'll be ordained in,、uh, in April, maybe.、Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. This, is a, this is a holy、uh, <laughs> podcast all of a sudden with,、uh, <laughs> with three people working in church spaces. Mike, you got to get yourself、right. together. And,、uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. And you、mm-hmm. live in Sapporo, Japan? Yeah, it's been three years. This is my hometown, actually. My whole family is here. And right now I'm with my wife and my lovely cat. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us.、Uh, Peter, how are you yeah, introducing yourself you. these days? Yeah, thanks, Ben. This is a real pleasure to be on this podcast. When I heard that this was happening, I was like, this is such a Ben Weidman thing to be. To be <laughs> and,、uh, and also, I'm eager to see you finish it、uh, through 500. This is a fantastic goal. We'll see how old we all are by that time.、Um, right. But I,、uh, I am a U.S. American, but for the last five years, I've been living in、uh, the country of Tanzania, the island of Zanzibar. Uh, where I teach in a university program in intercultural relations,、uh, interfaith relations. I teach、uh, conflict and peace and ethics and other courses. But I like to think that、uh, the, the, the subjects that I'm teaching now and that I've studied,、uh, done my PhD in, are actually related to those、uh, first iterations of our band, the Shock Monkeys. We had people <laughs> from all over the world. It was truly、uh, an intercultural, international band.、Mm, and yeah. uh, looking back, it's,、right. it's fun to see that that has、uh, played out in, in our lives in, in various ways,、uh, even from that moment. The reason we're here is to talk about Hotel California,、uh, in addition to this reminiscing.、Um, Hotel California is an interesting album,、uh, interesting for a couple of reasons. It's one of the best selling albums of all time. But it's not an album that I had listened to、um, before embarking down this SoundLogic podcast path.、Uh, certainly,、mm-hmm. a number of the songs are familiar. We'll get、mm-hmm. to some of those. But I was far more familiar with the、uh, 1971 to 75 Eagles Greatest Hits album.、Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Our, Mike and I both worked for a sweet corn、uh, farm growing up、uh, through high school and,、yeah. and college. And、um, one of the farm trucks had a very dusty、um, Eagles Greatest Hits cassette tape in it that would、uh-huh. play, you know, depending on where we were driving around to.、Um, so I kn- I- I'm very familiar with the Eagles. And、uh, because、mm-hmm. of that, Dusty Cassette Tape went out and bought that 71 to、mm-hmm. 75 album. And obviously, was very familiar with Hotel California, having、um, rehearsed it and performed it. But I was not. Uh, so familiar with this entire album. I'm curious where the rest of you fall. Is this an album that you had、uh, listened to a lot before? Is it primarily <laughs> for our one experience with Hotel California, the song? Or,、um, or have you been a, an admirer of this album for a long time? 
I think I came to this album both through the, the title track, but also through the, the live album 18 years later, uh, Hell Freezes Over. Mm, okay. Most of the tracks from Hotel California are, are on that album. Um, and of course, performed live in, in, in a different format. The, the main, of course, the biggest difference, I think, is that instead of doing the, the hard rock version of Hotel California, they did a flamenco version of track one on Hellfish. Yeah, that's right. It's also fantastic. It's got some great guitar. Um, I, I think, again, by Don Felder and, and Joe Walsh, uh, sort of the, the dual guitars, uh, but with classical nylon string guitars. I'm, I'm also really familiar with that version because uh, they play that on the radio a lot. They'll kind of mm. go back and forth between the studio recording and that live recording, which is really pretty. Mm. Um, I'm, I'll jump in here. I'm, I'm not familiar with the whole album, but I don't remember a time in my life when Hotel mm. California wasn't there. <laughs> it's one of those songs mm. that I don't even remember the first time I heard it because it's just been around been hearing it for forever yeah well, the album's new for me but not not that music how about you go in my case uh well this song hotel california was already really really popular in japan and other asian countries i think it's still it's and so we just i just know the song and uh, i loved the solo of course and mm -hmm. so i i did play i i mean practice before i went to EMU and but the only album I had of the Eagles was the Hell Freezes Over so actually I didn't really have the the original sound of this song I only knew the song from the radio when they're playing so I yeah. just needed to listen to that and copy it and so I mm. First, I knew well, my English still isn't <laughs> quite good, but at that time it was horrible. I only could read the alphabet, and I didn't really know Hell Freezes Over was kind of a uh, a live concert CD. So I thought that was the original sound of Hotel oh. California. Yeah, at that at that time, and then I practiced the flamenco version first, and but then. You know, my friends told me that it, it isn't the original version and and cast uh, the original sound later. I think that's kind of the story that I re uh, recall about the album. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we're all we're all kind of uh, arriving at a somewhat similar place mm. here of of having the touchstone really be that one track. Um, but there's a whole lot more here, and it'll be interesting to talk through some of that with the two of you. Mike, do you uh, want to dive into the details of the album right now? Yeah, well, I, I think I think there will be lots to say later about the song, so I want to keep moving here. Um, so we'll go through some details real quick, and guys, if there's anything you want to add uh, or any kind of note you, you remember, have a memory, uh, you can jump in here, okay? Details, 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 details. This album was released uh, December 8th, 1976. Mm -hmm. um, and it was written by all different members of the Eagles. Each of them had different writing. And as a lot of bands go, you know, usually if you write the song, you also sing it. So that happens a lot of different times here. 
Um, I'm thinking one of the later tracks, uh, Pretty Maids in a Row, Joe Walsh wrote that or co-wrote it. So he sings on that. So that, that happens in a lot of bands. Um, this was a very successful album and it charted on many countries, but most notably it went to number one in the U S and it stayed there for eight weeks and it went to number two in the UK, number one in Canada. And we also have a listing here, went to number two in Japan. Yeah. This has sold over 32 million copies worldwide and in the first week, it sold 6 million copies, which is just <laughs> mind-blowing mind for me. Yeah. Um, wow. And it went 26 times platinum in the U.S. alone. Wow. Um, and Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, there were three singles for this album. Uh, Hotel California, of course, we all know. Life in the Fast Lane and New Kid in Town were the singles. Um, Hotel California and New Kid in Town reached number one. And Life in the Fast Lane only went to number 11, which is surprising to me because that's a pretty good song, too. And maybe kind of more of a singly sounding song, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, Hotel California is a, essentially a ballad. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a great song, but it doesn't strike me as like um, kind of the typical song that, that ends up charting uh, week mm -hmm. after week after week. Exactly, and the length also is an issue. I, I suppose it's been edited for radio, yes. but um, it's it's over six minutes, and um, you know that doesn't right. that yeah. usually doesn't bode well for a lot of radio play. A lot of times, I think they fade out. They fade out through the solo at That's the end. Right. They'll fade that out. Yeah, or right. if they're playing the live version, they'll they'll fade out. They won't go to the end of the solo on the live version either. Mm. And that must just be heartbreaking for you shredding guitar soloists. Uh, yeah. They listen to your favorite classic rock station and have them fade out the solo. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, this is funny. When an album gets released like late in December, sometimes they miss the cutoff for the Grammy Awards the next year. So that was the case for this album. Uh, it was up for Grammy Awards uh, in 1978. So it won two Grammys. One for Record of the Year for the song Hotel California and a Best Arrangement for Voices for New Kid in Town. And it was nominated for three other awards as well. One of them was Album of the Year, but they lost to Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. So that's uh, mm. probably, probably would have won if it wasn't for that other amazing yeah. album, which we've also discussed on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And a really interesting story here, there have been manager Irving Azov um, he refused the request by the Grammy producer for the band to to come because he said they wouldn't come unless they were guaranteed to win an award so <laughs> so so they didn't go they weren't there to uh, to play or be present or collect their awards <laughs> Wow <laughs> which is kind of funny and uh, Hen uh, Don Henley was interviewed sometime later and said the idea of a contest to see who is best doesn't appeal to us. Um, that doesn't really match what I think of when I think of the personas in the Eagles. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, anyways, mm. kind of an maybe interesting there's some story. Subtle, some subtle language there that maybe he already feels like they're the best or. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, by this time it sounds like they were already having some trouble internally in the band. Um, 
So it, it can be hard to go through the kind of evaluation that an award ceremony gives when you've already got conflict, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I would imagine that there's this weird dynamic that was also present in uh, Fleetwood Mac's rumors mm -hmm. era of like being, feeling like you're on top of the world, uh, musically with the accolades you're getting, um, but with the tension within uh, happening simultaneously. I'm imagining that's a hard posture to, mm -hmm. to move through the world with. Uh, do we go and uh, pretend that we all love each other at an awards show? Um, or <laughs> yeah. do, we, do we just stay home? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing we like to talk about is the, the album cover, which is such an, such an important part of an album. And this is one that I, I never really thought of Hotel California much as an album growing up because I just knew the one song. Um, but this album cover is not very familiar to me. And it's kind of a funny picture because it's not really in focus and mm -hmm half of it is black uh, because it's yeah. like the hill in front of the the hotel which is a picture of the beverly hills hotel just before sunset so this would be i guess looking towards the west uh i, I can't even tell really but it do you guys think this is kind of a weird photo it's like <laughs> it's i don't know there's like it's not a lot of detail there yeah, it is strange, and I, I think I remember hearing that they they came under fire. They they maybe had faced a lawsuit from Beverly Hills Hotel for the use of this photo. Oh, really? Oh. Um, because they didn't have permission, and it you know it, the content oh, of the lyrics is pretty uh, it's pretty negative of the kind of American dream, the sort of Western affluence and opulence. Yeah that mm -hmm. the Beverly Hills Hotel represents. Huh. That uh, makes sense. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, it's funny that they would bring a lawsuit or um, mm. at, at least pressure the band not to use yeah. it because the Beverly Hills Hotel is iconic for its bright pink color, and you can't mm. really see that in this, right. in mm. this photo. Um, mm. We don't see the marquee, the, the giant sort of, uh, iconic Beverly Hills writing on the side. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to kind of be somewhat familiar with the hotel to even figure out that that's what it is. I mean, I guess mm -hmm. the, the title being Hotel California, you might connect the dots, but mm -hmm. I don't look at this image and think, oh yeah, that's the Beverly Hills Hotel. It looks <laughs> more like, I don't know, uh, Spanish uh, yeah. villa or something like that. Uh, mm -hmm. in my head. Um, I don't know if this was the case for you, Peter. We we crossed paths a second time while we were both uh, at Fuller Theological Seminary in Southern California. Um, mm -hmm. Anyone who visited uh, us during that time would often request to go on a little sightseeing en endeavor. And so we'd take them to like the Griffith Park Observatory and uh, we'd yeah. check out the Hollywood sign and we'd maybe would go through Hollywood and yeah. go out to the mm -hmm. coast, that sort of thing. Often those little journeys through L.A., uh, Los Angeles County would include driving mm -hmm. through Beverly Hills and, and, you know, accidentally, inadvertently going by the hotel. Uh -huh. And it stands out um, because of how it looks from the road. But that's mm -hmm. not at all what you're getting here with this shot. And so mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I, as someone who's 
who's even lived fairly close to the uh, to the Hotel California. <laughs> I don't see it when I look at this image. Um, who knows? Maybe the the lawsuit pressured them to change angles. Maybe it was more of a kind of front on image of the the marquee, and they're like, no, 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 you can't use that. Um, so maybe that what we get is a more subdued, shadowy something else. But um, yeah, it doesn't. I don't look at this cover and immediately go back to my time living in Los Angeles County. Right. Mm. Well, you know, I think there's speculation uh, of different sorts of, of the actual meaning of, of the, the song Hotel California and whether that refers. Mm. Some people have speculated that might refer to like a rehab facility um, oh, or, like, yeah. uh, or, or some other just sort of um, symbol of 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 the kind of over the top affluence and mm. and kind of wasted life you know uh yeah. sort of meaningless wealth that that southern california represents um mm. so i i think that the 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 cover might be making a statement about that particular hotel or it might just be like okay here's here's a hotel in in california you know <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And keeping it hazy and out of focus yeah. might play into some yeah. of that undertone That's right. too. That's right. Yeah. It's almost like the photographer is, is hiding behind a hill so he doesn't get spotted. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Co, I'm interested to hear from, um, from your perspective, uh, yeah. you know, being, being in Japan, how does, mm-hmm. how does a cover like this feel for a Japanese <laughs> audience? I mean, actually, the trees, the palm trees, are they? They yeah. they do yeah. represent the kind of symbolic, symbolic uh, picture of California for me. I've been there once when I was, uh, like, really young uh, okay. with, with my family, so I've seen that. And that kind of uh, connected to the image of California. But this picture actually, you know, like, until you guys said, I didn't really realize this, you know, kind of picture doesn't, it's out of focus and, you know, had covered with a lot of hill part and that I didn't really think about. This mm-hmm. is kind of a, uh, a bad picture. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, like, like Peter said, maybe uh, there is a story behind this picture Maybe the story of the lyrics of Hotel California, you know, uh, the lyric is kind of implying drug uses or kind of a rehab. uh, And uh, that's why they took this picture out of focus. And Mm -hmm. it's a kind of view that the people who have been using kind of uh, influential drugs and... Uh, that's why they see it's in vague picture, and I I thought that way. And um, this hotel picture doesn't really uh, made me think that it's actually a hotel. At first time when I saw it, it was kind of like a Taj Mahal, Indian yeah. yes. tomb. So uh, it has the similar shape. <laughs> That's what I thought <laughs> yeah. first time when I saw it. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Mm. It's, uh, we should point out before we move on from the album cover, 
it's got some really, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of think of this as iconic eighties writing, like, yeah. uh, mm. Miami vice writing or something, the sort mm -hmm. of neon hotel, California, uh, mm -hmm. down in the bottom right corner is just, a. it really does date it to a certain kind of vibe mm -hmm. or, or moment mm -hmm. in time. Um, yeah, they were going for neon there. The art director designed this logo because initially they wanted to create a neon sign, but the font that they wanted was too difficult to bend the neon tubes to that shape. Uh, so instead of changing the shape of the letters, they decided that they would just design one. So the art director designed a little logo here to put in the bottom. And it is, I mean, it's almost... Like neon is really, you know, 50s, 60s American diner style, mm -hmm. but you're right. It, the color and the shape does kind of have an 80s aesthetic, too. So I think they're blending those different American looks there. I read in the um, Wikipedia page that uh, there were multiple um, hotels, three different California hotels apparently were photographed with uh, the mm. Beverly Hills Hotel image ending up being the other one. Um, it's interesting the the other hotels may not have brought a lawsuit forward <laughs> had those ones been chosen. So I don't know. Maybe that publicity was helpful too in the in the the popularity of the band as well. But um, yeah, I guess we wonder what it could have been. Uh, we've talked in a couple episodes about the rear, uh, the back cover, the rear yeah. album cover, and. Uh, it's apparently a, a shot of the Lido Hotel lobby, which is also a Hollywood hotel or a mm -hmm. Los Angeles County hotel, I guess. Um, uh, so other other California hotels end up sharing in the artwork space as well, which is which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. The track listing, uh, this album has nine tracks, so uh, that's more common especially when you have some longer tracks that on a record uh, you can't fit, you know, 12, 14 as some of our newer formats. So they usually had between nine and 11. So side one starts with the title track, Hotel California, New Kid in Town, Life in the Fast Lane, And then Wasted Time. And I want to add an interesting point that all the singles are bunched right at the top, which is like yeah. <laughs> very... We don't often see that, do we? No, wow. but it's a very commercial thing to do that, you know, when you get the album, it's just bam, you just hit with all of them. Um, an interesting way to start side two, they have the Wasted Time reprise, which is the instrumental. So you just finish listening to Wasted Time, you have to get up, flip the album over... And then you start hearing <laughs> an instrumental <laughs> version of the same song again, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, so side two is Wasted Time Reprise, Victim of Love. Pretty Maids all in a row. Try and Love Again. And it closes out with Last Resort. So it's kind of funny, too, because side two is there's no 
like quote popular songs there's no singles on side two so it's kind of like they just bunched it all at the front and i don't know if you're like me but sometimes you don't always get to the deeper cuts of an album if you start listening to it you start listening to it um and maybe you run out of time you got to go do something else you're never going to hear the other ones so uh yeah kind of interesting way to lay it out um i want to start with um with Peter and Co. And Peter, I want to hear if you have a favorite cut from this album or something that you kind of always come back to when you put it on. Yeah, I would say I've come around to my favorite track on this album being the last track, The Last Resort. To me, it is a perfect closing for an album like this that's sort of a concept album with a lot of subtle imagery. It's another really super long track. It's seven and a half minutes long. But right. the, uh, the sort of tone and uh, and the emotion of it are just perfect for a uh, last track. Uh, I would also say that um, I love New Kid in Town, um, and I love the, the sort of jam session that uh, Joe Walsh does at the end of Life in the Fast Lane. You can sort of see his chops in a way that <laughs> you can in any other track in this album. Um, I, yeah. I heard that he... Um, he was just jamming as they were warming up one day and mm. he played the opening riff and the other band members said, that's a song. We got to make that, uh, <laughs> into life in the fast lane. Um, mm. and I think maybe that's how he earned his like jam session at the end too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And I can really hear in just the riffs on that, you know, almost some, uh, kind of some notes from you know his time with the james gang and some of the mm-hmm. some of the different feeling the flavor there is kind of an interesting point that's that's cool um and co what about you what what's some of your favorite things from this album favorite right. track or favorite moments well it's it's a shame that i don't have this album and uh <laughs> I, only, I only copied hotel california but I do know a new kid in town, and uh, I was I was actually surprised that you know the difference between these two songs, mm-hmm. because Hotel California is kind of more like rock music, but New Kid in Town is more of I think the original taste of country, West Country yeah. music kind yeah. of song. Yeah. So at that time, you know, I didn't really understand the the. The meaning of the lyrics and when I first heard it and I just listened to the music so I didn't really know that these two songs are played by the same band <laughs> okay. that, yeah. yeah yeah memories that I remember because you know I can't really follow the the, the words and I only hear this the, the sound of the guitar play or the band play and then, so that's how I felt. Yeah. You make a good point because New Kid in Town has such a different feel. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's much more country western. Um, uh, right, it's not right. you know straight up rock and roll. It it's got mm-hmm. a lot of the notes of a rock and roll song, but a very different mm-hmm. feel. Uh, mm-hmm. And I I love the vocal harmonies in that um, mm-hmm. song. It great vocal work. Of course, they won the Grammy for the vocal yeah, work there. But I think that's one of the best things about that song is the is the vocal work. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would would have fit in really well with that greatest hits album that 
you know, comes right before this, the 71 to 75. Uh, I think it opens with Take It Easy, that that track that's got the great opening, running down the road, trying to loosen my load. I've got seven women on my mind. (laughs) That fits in my head with with New Kid in Town in in a much more connected way than Hotel California and some of these other tracks. I totally get what you're saying there, Co. It does feel... It's interesting, too, that they are back-to-back to to open the album. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe it's intentional. Maybe it's to sort of show we are a a band capable of some diverse things. Because life in the fast lane shifts gears again. Um, You know, it's really three three very (laughs) distinctly different sounding tracks to open up an album. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think the Eagles are at their strongest when that country western influence comes through. Oh, yeah. And and that's why it seems to me that the track that's out of place on this album is Victim of Love. Mm -hmm. It, it's mm. the only track that really strikes me as them experimenting with a genre that's left better to ACDC or, or some other really hard <laughs> rock. And um, when they get back to their like country western rock roots, then then they, I mean, you can see it in their in their greatest hits for the most part. Um, yeah. they're the, those are the tracks that really connect with people. Yeah. Ben, what about you? What comes what comes to mind? What what are some of your favorite? things about this album well if i had to pick one victim of love would be it uh, so I'm, I'm a little crushed oh, wow. right now <laughs> i'm just kidding uh i i really like life in the fast lane um i feel myself though longing for that that greatest hits album when i listen to this because uh, for a couple reasons it sounds familiar but it doesn't sound like the the songs of my adolescence mm-hmm. um and and so it does some weird things there i am sure that there are people who grew up in the 70s who are just shouting at their podcast app right now um uh or, or cringing when i want to lift up a greatest hits album over uh an actual album something that i've already um admitted on this podcast i don't like to do <laughs> but yeah. but i don't know if, if it's maybe just because of the depth of connection of that uh previous listening experience that these songs all all make me want to put on something else um Cal- hotel california maybe being the one exception because it always just draws me back to that shock monkeys performance <laughs> although partially because of that performance um I don't always like listening to Hotel California because I think I listen to it on repeat so frequently in that, you know, a couple of weeks leading up to it. That um, Same thing with Crazy Train and Carry On My Wayward Son. Those are, if they're on the radio, I might even turn it down. Uh, I'll, I'll remember fondly how much fun that was, but also uh, have the sort of like, uh, too much of a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's true too. My, my, my throat starts to get sore as I feel the strain come back. Again. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I am interested. The the wasted time back to back doesn't sound as uh, strange when you're not turning over a record. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. on Spotify, you know, it, it was it wasn't until putting the track list in the notes that I was like, oh yeah, two tracks mm-hmm. called "Wasted Time." Oh, and they are essentially 
the same tune there. Um, <laughs> that's an interesting decision making uh, that also, you know, probably wouldn't happen today in an era without uh, mm -hmm. vinyl being the primary method of album consumption. Mm -hmm. uh, what about you, Mike, as you go through this track list? Um, well, I mean, Hotel California, the song is just so legendary and iconic. It's probably one of the best known rock and roll songs in the history of rock and roll music. So there's something very familiar and comfortable and uh, comforting about hearing that song because uh, at work we have the radio on all day and it's classic rock radio and it's pretty much the same songs every day just kind of shuffled around and i could guarantee that we'll hear hotel california every day so i hear it every day in my life right now <laughs> probably life in the fast lane i think we hear life in the fast lane almost every day as well and i've already i've always really enjoyed how edgy and kind of rough that s song sounds with the guitar sound and even the lyrics, you know, are, are very um, dark lyrics, you know, about kind of uh, uh, people living in the fast lane. You know, Co, that's another one of those American expressions that maybe uh, you weren't as familiar with when you first heard this. That, you know, it means life in the fast lane is, you know, living and having a lot of fun and doing those things that are also very dangerous and, you know, har right. could harm you in the long run. You know, I talk right. about drugs and sex and, and those things that uh, that's living in the fast lane, you know, so that's a very, I think, American term. <laughs> uh, uh, but but yeah, I, I love that song. And um, I'm a sucker for uh, double guitar lines. So I get drawn into that at the end of uh, Hotel California. One of the all time best iconic dual guitar uh, solos and, and guitar yes. Made a list of the top 100 guitar solos of all time, um, pulled mm -hmm. the readers in, in 2001. Mm -hmm. And uh, Hotel California came in at number eight, the number eight solo of all time. And I wow. don't think mm -hmm. that was only referring to Joe Walsh's uh, like solo following the verse, but also the, 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 the finale of the twin guitars. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's become sort of iconic. Um, and I, I have a sort of a, I'm drawn a weakness for the for for guys who play Les Paul Gibson Les Paul guitars, and that's sort of uh, uh, Joe Walsh's uh, sort of signature guitar is the Gibson Les Paul standard. Yeah, so I was a bit disappointed to learn that on this track, actually he pay, he played his Fender. Yeah. Telecaster. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that also works that works well for the, the country sound, the sort of crunchy country sound that they're going for. Uh, and and the other guitarist, is that uh, Glenn Fry? Uh, it's not the same guitarist doing soloing with themselves, is it? Oh maybe. No, well it's, it sounds like well it sounds like two different guitars. Let's see here. Come on, Wikipedia, you can help us out with this. <laughs> The original recording of the song features electric guitar interplay between Felder and Joe Walsh. Right. Yeah. There we go. And you and you can hear and kind of uh, Peter and Co. Your real electric guitar. One thing mm -hmm. I always really liked about that solo, and mm -hmm. it's so unique because you have two guitarists um, kind of talking back and forth. 
Uh, And you hear those, especially if you're into electric guitar sounds, you hear those different tones on the guitars um, Mm. contrasting each other. Um, And yeah, the Telecaster, I don't know what they are. If one's a Telecaster and one's a Fender, you know, you'd almost think you'd want to have that uh, Stratocaster versus Les Paul kind of feel (laughs) back and forth. But, but I think they're, they might both be Fenders, but you get those two different tones um, and that's mm-hmm. a really cool thing that you don't get. And I think for guitar fans, the guys who play guitars, that's a little bit of uh, uh, kind of stimulation that you wouldn't get normally in most songs. Kind of, oh, yeah, I can hear the different tones there. Because most people will not pick up on that. Right. <laughs> most people would not know that those are two different <laughs> guitars or two different tones. And that's another special thing about this track. Well, when I first said heard this song and this solo i thought that just only one uh, guitar player is playing this solo whole time but (laughs) you know when you hear it you you hear over uh, the sound is kind of overacting and so you can you can tell definitely whether one person is playing twice or two guitars that playing and i think one of the reason why they he uh joe walsh didn't use his Les Paul was it's because the the similarity of the guitars is like you said the solo sounds so similar mm-hmm. if you play with the Les Paul the sounds goes a bit more heavier yes and so you know the solo doesn't really quite match as, as much as uh, he played with uh, Telecaster I guess do you guys remember what it was like to try and replicate this live? Mm. Was there anything especially challenging? Did, am I remembering that you both, you you mm. did the dueling guitars together? Or it wasn't just one of you playing one of them, one of the lines, right? We, we really did try to have no. that guitar work talking back and forth. We didn't really know which part was Joe Walsh or Don Felder and or... So we just picked whichever we we can, I think we copied before mm-hmm. we actually started to practicing together. I think you're right, Ko, that we uh, sort of, we couldn't determine which right. was Don Felder and which was Joe Walsh. So we basically mm-hmm. said, I'll take this line and you take that one. Yeah, that's how it went, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think you crushed yeah. it, mm-hmm. too. Oh. <laughs> 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 but then I think I, uh, I, at that time I owned the effector that could uh, uh, make the acoustic sound and so it's not the solo but the introduction part mm-hmm. you know they, I think originally they make the 12 strings yes, and, yes. Yeah. So I I kind of tried to make this similar sound with my guitar and uh, mm-hmm. I needed to uh, adjust the sound with my guitar and that's why I picked the the introduction part with my guitar and uh, Pete he you were I think you were mm-hmm. starting uh, from the beginning you were using overdrive yeah 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 because they have the multiple layers throughout the the song. Mm-hmm. The other thing that happens live, I think, for amateur bands more than uh, more than others, is we we speed up the songs. 
If I, mm-hmm. I remember that mm-hmm. uh, we would start like Crazy Train or even even oh. Hotel California super fast. Mm-hmm. I think we were just so excited <laughs> to be playing these songs yeah. that we love so much. <laughs> but by the time we get to the guitar solo, I remember mm-hmm. Cole was doing the, the solo for Crazy Train, which, you know, a, a typical Ozzy Osbourne, Randy right. Rose solo is mm-hmm. just insanely fast already at the speed of the <laughs> And then if you start extra fast, um, it, I don't know how you pulled that off, Cole, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think to cra- on Crazy Train, we, we played really, really fast from the beginning. I don't know why. Maybe we were so just excited. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of us maybe played really fast. <laughs> I was a bit worried as we were approaching the guitar solo. Then I remembered that it's Cole, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we. I did my best. <laughs> yeah. I think there is this piece of uh, when you begin a performance, um, when there's a piece that you're worried about or excited to get to, I think mm-hmm. you yeah. speed up to try and get to that point to be able to try and hit that mark for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Right. yeah. And as much as... A lot of this album to me sounds a l- it sounds kind of cliche like that very you know okay well let's put a little let's put a guitar riff here let well they did it very well and they crafted the album very well and I love all the rich uh, vocal harmonies and arrangements in this album they do that very well the Eagles is is sort of like a super group I guess because a lot of these guys had been in bands before and you have a lot of uh, individually very polished and talented artists. Also, as we've talked before, Ben, you have uh, what four leads, four lead vocalists here. You've got f- yeah four. I think four or four, all five. I think four of them sing lead on this album. So you've got very talented vocalists, like mm. some other uh, bands we've talked about. So you get a very rich sound start to finish on the album because you have these different guys who can sing. So almost every song has a bit of a different flavor. We mm-hmm. saw that in the band, in uh, Fleetwood Mac, um, the Beatles to an extent. Uh, so I really like that as well. So a lot of a lot of things that stick out. But I think for me, uh, the singles on this album uh, really bring it over the top. It had just some tremendous singles. And um, being not a very long album with only nine tracks and really only eight tracks because wasted time they do twice (laughs) so uh um yeah the singles are are some of the best singles in rock and roll history so that's what i think about when i think about some of these tracks how do we feel about i think peter you brought up earlier the idea that this is a concept album um Mm. does it work well as a whole uh singles aside to to sort of be seeing this as a uh, the story of Hotel California? Yeah, I guess I see sort of the themes that, that strike me as uh, kind of an Ecclesiastes, all is vanity type lament. You know? Mm, yeah. They're, they're, it looks flashy on the outside, this, this fast lane of uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But it ends up being sort of wasted time. You're victimized. You you don't find fulfillment or lasting enjoyment in these things. And 
Um, and that's mm. why it strikes me that the, the last track, the last resort is kind of the, the, the final lament about mm. the devastation that this, that this reeks, you know? Well, and I think that, um, that lends itself to the story when, uh, when they wrote hotel California, it was, I think if I'm remembering correctly, was a very, very beautiful, sunny day. And the author said, you know, it took that sunny day mm. to allow him to go into a really deep, dark place uh, to mm. write a really, really sad song. Yeah. <laughs> because Hotel California, even though it sounds very bright and has these beautiful solos, uh, it's a really sad, dark, mm. uh, kind of mm. almost depressing song about that life in excess. So um, yeah. I think that I don't I don't think of this as a concept album, but. Peter, I agree with you. It really is. It, if you look at the themes, not musically as much as other concept albums that we've talked about, but in terms of the lyrical themes, it definitely is. It paints a picture of, of a, a certain type of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When we say concept album, often I think we use that to mean that something sounds weird. Or like they're, something that they were trying that didn't work. Uh, experimental. This all works. Yeah, experimental. That's a better way to say it. Yeah. This all works quite well. And so maybe that's why, uh, uh, you know, it, do, it doesn't fit quite as well to say that this was um, trying to be something else because because they succeeded. <laughs> we don't often yeah. use that, that term. But, but, um, but yeah, I agree with all of what's been said so far. Mm. Uh, one thing we've been doing, guys, is we created a Spotify playlist, and we add um, we add a song or a couple tracks for every album, and then we put it on the playlist. So this playlist is getting quite big. Eventually, it'll be a thousand tracks long. Um, so since we have two guests, uh, why don't you guys each pick a track? Uh, Co, what what track would you put on the playlist from this album? Oh. <laughs> It could get really hard to pick one. Well, then uh, I'll definitely take uh, Hotel California. Uh, that seems sit- appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. <laughs> no, that's fine. In, in light of that pick, I'm going to pair it with New Kid in Town. It's got to be together. Perfect. Mm. There you go. Right. Deal. Mm. We'll add both of those, and uh, and your names will be forever etched in the Sound Logic podcast's favorite tracks from the <laughs> top 500 albums (laughs) (laughs) i found in general listening to the whole thing start to finish it's it's very clean it's very Mm. bright uh Mm -hmm. sharp these are some words that come to mind and very catchy and Mm. it's very well produced uh there's it's almost i want to say it's almost perfect in terms of the way it's done the parts Mm. of the songs are you know structured in a very uh a consumable way I'll say. Um, and I almost find myself asking the question, I hate to sound negative here. If, if it's overproduced, if it's too perfect, um, that's not to say that it's not good or not, um, creative, but sometimes I find that I like it and it's good, but I'm not surprised or excited because it's just like, it's just kind of picturesque. That being said, um, it's always hard to 
take yourself from 2020 back to 1976 <laughs> and imagine <laughs> hearing this before having heard everything that came after it. Uh, mm-hmm. So to put yourself in a place where you've never heard the solo in Hotel California, or you've never heard the grittiness of life in the fast lane and hear that for the first time and how exciting that is. But um, I wonder if, if for the people who kind of, there are people, if you can believe it, there are people out there who are not Eagles fans and, and we know at least one of them, Ben. Hi, Ben and Mike. Uh, this is Jason Crane from The Jazz Session. I didn't want to be a guest on this episode, but I did want to record this little bit for you uh, related to the Eagles and uh, in particular Hotel California, but I guess just the Eagles generally, which is that if I had a time machine, there are three things I would do. The first one is I would find the inventor of the indoor shower and thank them very much with a big hug. The second is I would stop Don Henley and Glenn Fry from ever meeting. And the third is, you know, kill Hitler or whatever seems like the, the morally good thing to do. Uh, but that second one is really, really key to me. So uh, everybody enjoy this record. I don't think that's humanly possible, but uh, if you can find a way to do it, good on you. And uh, love the show. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Uh, uh, the the things that they don't appreciate about the eagles and i wonder if that's it that it's just it's almost it's almost too good and uh, for me i miss i miss some of the the creativity experimental nature of some of the other things we've heard like a like a david bowie who was just so far out there and some of the other things but um all in all it, it's it's so clean and polished and that's something i noticed right away yeah i think i i agree with you mike that that it could be it could come across as overproduced but i think that's also where we're helped by by the live album hell freezes over mm. i think i that listening to Hell Freezes Over helps me come back with more appreciation uh, to Hotel California, in part because you can see that this is not just something that they were able to do over the long hours in a studio, mm. but they could actually reproduce the sound in a, really well, and, but also you know tweak it for a live performance. But um, that this is not simply good studio work. Right. Mm. It's that yeah. our good band. Yeah, no, yeah. And that, that's and, I, and I'm glad that you say that because that's a really good point that yeah. that they really they really could pull it off live. Yeah, that's good. It it does take uh, something being done the first time for cliches to start, right? Too. So of course, <laughs> for yeah. those who criticize it for being cliche, I think without this album, yeah. we don't we don't get this cliche <laughs> late seventies. <70s. laughs> Yeah. Uh, California rock yeah. sound. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this is the pinnacle of seventies rock. This is seventies rock is, <laughs> is big, grandiose, large in your face. Um, and epic, you know, like that's seventies rock. We move away from, yeah. and that's where when we get into a band in the late seventies, like the Ramones, who took seventies mm-hmm. rock mm-hmm. and totally scrapped it and got back to short, concise, simple songs. Whereas most of seventies rocks was um, large arrangements, yeah. instrumentation, um, everything mm-hmm. about it was mm-hmm. very, very big. And this is kind of the. Mm-hmm culmination of everything that started at the beginning of the 70s with led zeppelin and pink floyd and all of those uh bands that 
kind of grew up in the 60s but then blossomed into something bigger i think this is kind of uh one of the crowning pieces of the late 70s um and you see all those things adding up to this kind of sound mm-hmm. i like that uh, so so one of the things we and this is a uh, really cha- can be a challenging question so we don't have to dwell on it but we like to ask uh, when we talk about an album, especially from 1976, uh, is this album still relevant? And this is going to be an interest, interesting question for, for you, Co, living mm-hmm. in Japan, where uh, that's going to be a very right. different question than asking, you yeah. know, Ben and I in uh, in North America. And then Peter, um, mm. I don't know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you might not really have uh, rock radio uh, on, on, the, right, on, the no. street, on the streets of Zanzibar, but maybe in your house, you're, uh, you're listening to different things. Right. But um, yeah. I don't know. I, so this is kind of a, a very different question in terms of where you guys are living than what we normally ask. But maybe uh, in terms of just in general, uh, mm. when we think about the sound here, is it still relevant to the music that's being made today, at least at least in a North American context? What do you think, Peter? Yeah, I would say that the Eagles were just about, I agree with you, Mike, about sort of the mm. the peak of 70s rock. And along with that, this kind of um, subtle imagery, this sort of ambiguity that went into lyrics. Mm. And mm. the Eagles did that about as well as anybody and I feel like there's been sort of a resurgence from the, the 80s, sort of blunt, say it like it is, right. um, back to the, the more, at least maybe not epic music as much as the epic sort of search for lyrics that have some subtlety and ambiguity. Mm. And so I think the, the Eagles are, are masters of this and, and uh, people have been appreciating it every th- ever since and trying to emulate it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd agree. Mm-hmm. How about you, Co? Any uh, additional thoughts on its relevancy? And I'm curious, Co, before you start, in, in some of the uh-huh. popular music uh, in Japan right now, do you mm-hmm. hear in the rock music, and I don't know what rock music is like in Japan, but uh-huh. do, you, do you hear some of the same things in the music today? Do you hear some of the same ideas or sounds? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I think so. I think, well... It's it's pretty much the same, you know, what the music in the U.S. playing uh, we were listening to. You know, just the lyrics are Japanese or English. That's the differences. And uh, the, the more, I think these days, the more artists uh, use English lyrics or okay. some Korean-Chinese mixed. And I guess, but still, we're not really uh, familiar with uh english or any foreign language music right so i guess i guess in japan we do listen to the same songs as we hear uh, we, we heard back in like 1990s or 2000 like 20 years ago it's because that we don't we don't get uh, really excited with the new new songs Right. It takes time to understand what they are singing or what's the band about. It's because <laughs> of the language barrier. Sure. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, so it's still popular if you go to the restaurant or bar, you, you hear the Eagles, the Beatles all the time. So mm. 
and just just like any other you know seventies eighties songs uh, like the Queen is just you know they released the the, the movie and yeah Bohemian Rhapsody and it became really a huge hit in Japan as well hmm. and so people started listening to Queen's music nowadays you can use the internet so they. Give us some extra, you know, connection to other popular music in the, that area, so yeah. people easily find Eagles or any other bands that were popular in that age. And so, I think it's still relevant in and popular in Japan, and for most of the people uh, who uses the internet and who are interested in. Uh, music, guitar-wise, uh, especially guitar, uh, I think. Yeah. Because, yeah, because because this album, um, um, this album was kind of challenging. Like this first three songs have the significant differences in every song, and yeah. it still have the kind of uh, uh, influence on everyone uh, every every guitarist these days mm-hmm. cool so uh, almost almost more relevant in japan uh compared to other american yeah. music because the, you, because yeah. you're still listening to all the classics yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know cool. if you if you if you google and you can find it so many people are copying the hotel california solo uh, mm-hmm. On YouTube, you can find so many people are copying it and trying to make the sounds as same as the original album. Right. Well, I I would say from you know strictly a uh, when I listen to a lot of the new music, I think that at very least the the song format is still there, uh, and bands are still trying to copy the guitar style and just the the great vocal style and harmonies. I think it's always exciting to hear a band come out with a new song that has really good vocal mm-hmm. harmonies. Cause I think especially in, well, not, I don't want to say all the eighties and nineties, but there was a lot of emphasis on just single, single voice. And today with song with, uh, with TV shows like American mm-hmm. Idol and the voice, you get a lot of just single voice lines and we're losing mm-hmm. some of these rich vocal harmonies that you get in, especially in country music, country music still uh, has a great tradition of vocal, um, vocal harmonies, uh, which is beautiful. And, and that's something I really like about country music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that this is something that the Eagles did very well in this album. And, that a lot of bands, especially with a bit of a folk revival we've had in the last decade, you know, folk and bluegrass, you get a lot of that vocal stuff. So I think I think a lot of this is still relevant. And even the uh, the mastering and the mixing, uh, sometimes we talk about the recording quality. We go, ah, well, the music is good, but the album, you know, doesn't stand because of recording quality. Well, this this recording quality is very good too. So I think that's another thing that adds to this still being very relevant. Anything else to add there, Ben? I don't think so. I think you all have, have done a pretty good job of covering it. It may just be because it's six 30 in the morning, but uh, (laughs) no, this sound, I I like, I like a lot of what's been said here. um, 
I I can't help but feel like you know Jason, a past guest of ours, is the one friend that we immediately think of as someone who despises the Eagles. I, I can't I can't quite put my finger on what, what to do with that as far as its relevancy because I think. He, that's shared by a number of people like the, the sort of cliche seventies rock sound, I think makes it less relevant for some folks. The thing I'm struggling with is that it's so well done here that <laughs> how could you possibly think that? But I know for some people it's just maybe genre wise or something. It just doesn't click. And, uh, and you know, I guess that's how music is in general. Not everyone is going to like everything, but, um, I guess that's the only thing I'd add. So guys, kind of the last thing we talk about, and because this podcast is focused on the top 500 lists, we kind of like to poll our guests and see how you felt about where this album was placed. So this is number 37 uh, mm. of all time. Um, how do you feel about that ranking? And, you know, if you don't know the whole list, it can be challenging or some of the, at least some of the albums that come around it. But, um, code for 37th best album, do you think that's uh, an appropriate estimation? Uh, well, it's hard to say for me because, uh, well, I really like uh, guitar sounds and, yeah. uh, you know, I'm always, you know, trying to find what's, What's the album that has uh, really good guitar sounds? And I always think that way. <laughs> and uh, uh, in in that case, you know, this album or the Eagles should go higher ranking. Yeah. But well, if you think about the other instruments, are evenly <laughs> have the rights to be chosen, and then it should be the uh, right rank, I guess. Hmm. Peter, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I guess I see the Eagles as um, one of the all-time great rock bands. And so, and this is the peak mm -hmm. album. So it seems to me that it, right. it should be at least as high as number 37 on the list. Um, I don't know what I would say mm. I would displace to put it higher. I mean, there's a lot of, even yeah. the, the Fleetwood Mac Rumors album that, that, it, that nudged it for the Grammy you know, it's. It, I can't say that it's a better album than that, but I, I think it sets a standard for uh, production, for uh, cohesion around a theme, hmm. for the uh, vocal and guitar work. That's hard to match. I think when I compare it to some of the albums that came before it on this list, a lot mm. of them were more obscure when they were released and became more popular over time, especially with other artists that it influenced. Mm. I think about albums like um, the Velvet Underground and Nico and mm. Van Morrison's Astro Weeks, which were not commercially successful when they came out, even the Ramones, um, mm -hmm. but became very influential for the artists that came later. This is the opposite where, uh, well, not to say that it hasn't been influential because it certainly has, but was extremely successful when it was released. So because of that, I would say that it should be a lot higher simply because mm -hmm. in terms of its place in history and where it 
what it did in terms of the awards it received at the time it was released. Uh, that yeah. should be, to me, significant. And I would put it, you know, much higher because of that. It's hard uh, from a personal standpoint. Uh, it hasn't held a special place in my life up to this point. So I can't. And, and when I listen to it, I, I really like it, but it didn't grab me as much as some of the other ones. So personally, I, I think it's okay here, but in terms of its success, uh, I think it should be a lot higher. Yeah, I, I echo that, Mike. I think I'm fine with it being placed right here, but I think the struggle I've been having all the way along with this list is how does popularity play into the equation? Um, right. It's not the 500 best-selling albums of all time. No. Uh, if it were, it would be in the top 10, I think. Um, For sure. But uh, but it's also really good. It's not just pop music. It's not just... And it is a cohesive album, too. It's not just a collection of random songs thrown together that were all successful. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, I, maybe I would be inclined to nudge it up a little bit, too. I'm not sure that it's going to crack my own personal top 10 but um but i think it would i would be very okay with it being moved up the list in some sort of way well i think kind of a uh general consensus there that uh this should be higher (laughs) yeah i guess that's true we haven't had one of those for for a super long time but yeah i think it was so Uh, good that the eagles couldn't sustain it yeah (laughs) sure and uh they, they had nowhere to go from here Except right, to just yeah. break up <laughs> <That's> <laughs> for, <true>. uh, <laughs> for a good number uh, of years. Right. right. Uh, which to me is positive because it led to Don Henley's solo albums. Especially <laughs> building the perfect piece. Uh, I don't think that's going to crack this list, but uh, one of my, it gets pretty regular play on my, on my laptop. Oh, uh, interesting. I'll, ha- I'll have to check that out. Um, so sometimes, guys, we talk about uh, a favorite cover, but uh, from this album, I don't think there's a whole lot of covers. But I guess uh, for the three of you, probably th- the best cover of this song was uh, the Shock Monkeys live. <laughs> um, <laughs> live in Harrisonburg. Yeah, that's right. I just sent, sent you guys the photo through the Facebook Messenger. Whoa. And I only have okay. one shot that, yeah, I think this is was the, the picture from the live. Wow. <laughs> you were in the uh, on the live side, it was me. Behind me was uh, Matt Terry. Was it? Wow. Mm-hmm. With the uh, iconic uh, Lehman mm-hmm. Auditorium sound, uh, <laughs> white swoopy things in the ceiling there, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> this can be held up for anyone who says, uh, "Was everyone Amish at Eastern Mennonite University?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and and then we also look forward uh, to if there's any other albums by this artist on the top 500 list. Um, if we're going to talk about them again and the Eagles only have one more and that's their uh, self-titled debut album Eagles uh, that comes in at number 368. So 
if you guys want to join us again in about uh, in about eight years, um, we can talk to you again. <laughs> Just after that, at number three eighty nine is a Don Henley album, uh, "The End of the Innocence." <laughs> oh. So, um, wow! I don't know if that oh, comes right. in your okay. in your frequent playlist there, uh, yeah. Peter. But um, yeah, it does. It does. It's not as good as building the perfect beats, but okay. Still, that may, maybe that that gives me hope that, that Don Henley might be uh, somewhere else in this list too. I haven't checked it out. That's the oh. only one that I can see in our in our sortable spreadsheet that we have. Um, uh-huh. But uh, okay, this is okay. we are working off of the uh, 2012 uh, version mm-hmm. of the Rolling Stone Top 500 album list. Uh, okay. And if history is any indication, in the next couple of years they'll probably do another greatest albums of all time list. And mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe they'll play mm-hmm. a, a few more Eagles and or Don Henley albums that make the cut when they re-rank them. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. I hope they yeah. don't do that before we finish. Sure, surely somebody is going to listening to this podcast, right? Yeah, we hope so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we haven't got our cease and desist letter yet, so uh, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> Well, we really appreciate this. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for being a part of our first uh, Quad Nation recording session. It's been an absolute pleasure to reconnect after uh, 16 years mm-hmm. to uh, to have this time this morning. Um, perhaps when this podcast really takes off and uh, the royalty checks start rolling in, uh, Mike and I can fly you all to uh, record together with us in the same room and uh, we can reminisce in person. <laughs> absolutely but please do um take a look at the top 500 album list if there's something else that jumps out to you we'd love to have either of you back uh as a special mm-hmm. guest at any time um it's been a it's been a great experience for me and i think for mike as well absolutely um, we uh we we look forward to our next album as usual next time on the sound logic pod- podcast we're going to be tackling uh Album number 38 on Rolling Stone's Greatest Albums of All Time. That is the anthology, 1947 to 1972, a compilation album of Muddy Waters' greatest hits. Now, we've had some um, ups and downs, I guess you could say, with compilation albums, but it'll be fun to tackle that. Okay, well, thanks again, guys. We really appreciate it, and uh, and we'll talk to you all next time. Thank you, man. A lot of fun. Thanks, yep. everyone, for listening, too. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening.